Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twists it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reach shot, score! Three, nothing, Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are pouring it on, Craig Anderson and the hapless Senators. And it's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports, with Reed Wilkins, on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chad. One goal short last night for the Edmonton Oilers and 10 years officially now out of the postseason. Plus the Oilers talk again about their much maligned power play as they get set to visit the Arizona Coyotes tomorrow night. Huge game tomorrow for the Edmonton Oil Kings for the second time in modern franchise history. They are in a one game tiebreaker with a playoff berth on the line. We'll talk to Brett Pollock who will play in tomorrow's game and we'll talk to Brett Brightcruz who played in the game back in 2009. Mark Spector on the show as well to talk a little CIS athletics. We'll take a slightly different path with Mark tonight. I know he was frustrated on the weekend about the lack of attention many Canadians were playing to university championships north of the border while a lot of you were caught up in the March Madness south of the border. Serge Lejoie from the U of A hockey team and it's officially spring, despite the snow today, so we have our first craft beer segment of the spring-slash-summer coming up at 8.30 tonight. That is all ahead. We'll keep you updated on the scores as well. Calgary is playing in Toronto. The Leafs with a one nothing lead. Four minutes left in the first period. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Later on, we're also going to be giving away Beer Fest tickets. Speaking of beer, a bit of a theme on the show this evening. All right, so uh, the Oil Kings in Medicine Hat tomorrow. The winner plays Brandon in uh, in the first round of the playoffs, and more on that coming up at 7 o'clock. So uh, how are you doing? I imagine many of you watched or followed the Oilers game last night, and uh, they lose to the Colorado Avalanche. Certainly the Oilers' power play, not nearly good enough. They, I mean, what? What, in their last 17 games, they've had one good game? They just happened to get four four goals in a game? Take out that game, they've had one goal in 16 games. Not good enough. We'll talk about that as we move along, because I think some interesting comments were made today by head coach Todd McClellan and by Taylor Hall as well, as the Oilers try to figure this out with just seven games left. I can tell you the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers have tied a league record, unfortunately. Ten years out of the playoffs became official last night. Mathematically, they are out of it. Uh, I mean, look, it was apparent probably, well, a while ago that that they weren't going to get in, but, uh, you know, it was uh, mathematically slightly possible until last night's loss. Ten seasons in a row out of the playoffs, matching the drought by the Florida Panthers, who missed the playoffs in 2000, didn't get back in until 2012, 
there was obviously the one year in there where there were no playoffs because of the wiped out season. So the Oilers have tied that league record. So I went back and, and, and looked at some stuff all the way back to 2007. And I thought, I wonder how many points they miss the playoffs by each season. I mean, we talk a lot about where they all where they are in the overall standings. We we talk a lot about how they're doing relative to to last year. And this is the thing: the Oilers already have more points than last year, but they may finish lower down in the standings than they did last year, even though they had more points. But but really, I thought, well, what is what is actually relevant? That if you miss the playoffs, how many points out were you? Where were you in relation to the worst team to get into the postseason? And it's uh, quite startling, to be honest with you. In 2007, they missed the playoffs by 25 points. In 2008, they were really close. The Oilers won 41 games in 2008, half their games, uh, but they missed the playoffs by three points. They also won 41 games in 06 when they wound up getting in and going to the final. I think they had six more overtime losses uh, in 06, so they made the playoffs and had that big run. In 2009, relatively close again, they were six points out. Now it's going to get a little ugly. 2010, missed by 33. 2011, missed by 35. 2012, missed by 21 points. In 2013, it was a shortened season, and I thought to myself, well, should I, should I prorate the points? And I thought, well, I mean, you, that's, that's a guess. I mean, they played, the, the reality was they played 48 games. That's all they had. I don't, you don't know for sure where they would have finished if you would have played 82, 22, 62, whatever. So I thought, I'll just treat it as a regular season. And in 2013, they missed the playoffs by 10 points. Would have it wound up more if they played 82? Well, sure, you can argue that, but we'll never know. So I'm just going to stick with 10. 2014, they missed by 24 points. Last year, they missed by 35 points. So three times in nine years, they missed the playoffs by more than 30 points. We're talking over 15 wins out of a postseason berth. They are currently 15 points out of a playoff spot, which relative to a lot of these other seasons isn't that much, even though it actually is that much. And here, here's the interesting thing. The first nine years of the playoff drought, they have been an average of 21.3 points out of the playoffs. So we'll round it down to the nearest full number, which is 21. And this season, they very may very well wind up missing by 21 points, which is the average for the first nine seasons. Um, so here's the thing. The Oilers are in a situation, let's say it winds up at 21 points for this season. They're in a situation where they could improve by seven wins, almost a tenth of your season relative to the last playoff spot and still be 11 wins from being good enough to be in the playoffs. That's a lot of work to do. That is a lot of work to do. You know, it's it's funny and you know, and you can text us at 630-630. Phone number is 780-496-0063. And everybody wants to uh well, not everybody, but but a lot of people want to blame person X for what has happened. It's 
Kevin Lowe's fault, or it's Craig McTavish's fault, or it's Daryl Cates' fault, or it's Taylor Hall's fault, or whoever, whoever, whoever. Look, it doesn't get this bad because of one individual. I mean, look at look at everything that has happened over the years. Players have underperformed. Coaches have not done well and been changed. Bad management decisions have been made by a variety of different managers. You've had, you know, free agents not work out. You've had trades that didn't work out. You've had signings that didn't work out. Uh, I mean, there was somebody that texted in last night and said, to get Taylor Hall off the team, everything's fixed. Well, I, you know, I kind of doubt that if Tyler Sagan had been drafted first overall in 2010 instead of Taylor Hall, that the team is in better shape. I mean, this, this has been a complete organizational failure from the owner on down to the 20th player on the roster to some degree. So that's, that's how you get, you get stuck in this rut where, I mean, I read the point totals and I mean, look, they've never really gotten that much closer to a playoff spot. That's the sad part. I mean, I don't, so in 2011, they missed from 35, but they missed by 35. In 2012, they missed by 21. Is that really getting closer when you're still 10 and a half wins out of a playoff spot? Like I was saying about this year, is going again from 35 to maybe 21 out really that much closer? Well, a little bit. And every year is different, That it's going to be great to have Connor McDavid and Cam Talbot going into next year for sure. And I don't know... I don't know who else is going to be on the team for sure. And that and that's going to be the challenge going ahead here for Peter Shirelli. I mean, there were already changes last summer. I know many of you wanted more or were hoping for more. I think there were quite a few. I think he wanted to see what was going to happen with some of these guys. Uh, I mean, the head amateur scout, Stu McGregor, was let go. Some of the pro scouts were let go. So, and I mean, the, the GM and the coach were replaced. Shirelli came in as the president and the general manager. So this still remains a big task for Peter Shirelli. And I think that really, why isn't any possible change on the table when it comes to players except for Connor McDavid? And, you know, the guys that have no moves clause like Secker, and certainly you're not going to ditch Talbot. But as I've said before, at this point, what are you afraid of? Finishing 35th? I mean, you're perennially in the bottom three in the league, except for, you know, the lockout season where you got a little higher. We'll talk about what might come next for this team, and we'll also look ahead to tomorrow's game against Arizona. The phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chen. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight, 621. The Oilers will play Arizona tomorrow. Patrick Maroon not expected to play, but he should be good to come back against the San Jose Sharks. Your Action Furnace Oilers report. Action Furnace is home of the fixed right or it's free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Kellen, how are you doing, buddy? Not too bad. How are you doing, Reed? Doing great. Uh, the Big L says, I'm going to get to Jim on the phone line here right away. Got a, some texts rolling in. Uh, the Big L says, there are five players I wouldn't trade. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nurse, Talbot, and Maroon. 
Uh, another texter says, how many agents told McTavish that the said player will not play here? Start talking about it. You can't draft a championship team. Uh, well, I don't know how many people, uh, agents told McTavish that their players wouldn't play here. I do know that I have heard that when a uh, player is able to make a no-trade list of 10, 15, 20 teams, it often includes all seven Canadian teams, which I find interesting. Uh, West says last year most of the games were, were unwinnable. This year they were way more competitive. The glass is half full. And uh, another texter says, how much loser talk can you fit into one day? Talking about them more will not make them suck less. Oh, there's a uh, brilliant comment for the evening as we go to Jim on the line. Jim, thanks a lot for well, calling. I don't know if I could beat that one. <laughs> That's pretty sharp, wasn't it? <laughs> well, let's talk about this for a minute, though. Who, who to blame? Okay, we're going to blame the owner. Yep. But I'm going to go back to the two guys who, who are the top two blamed in the Oilers organization, and that is Kevin Lomontavich. Kevin Lowe, Steve Camelini, I thought was a good GM. I mean, he wasn't, I mean, and yet he wasn't good enough for to stay here because Lowe wanted his buddy McTavish. So McTavish comes here. We've got how many coaches? Five coaches in six years. Ralph Kruger, I thought, was probably the best up until the current one right now. I thought he was, I thought we really had an opportunity with this team. Can I blame any players? I can't singly think of one player I can blame when you got five coaches in six years. And yet the two guys who I just mentioned are still in the Oilers organization. So until they get rid of these two guys, they'll never they'll never shed that idea that uh, they, they, you know that the management management is taking responsibility. Well, I Free think or not. yeah, I think you've called in before and said that, Jim. I mean, I, I, I Kevin Lowe is out of hockey operations in, entirely now. He's the chairman or vice chairman for OEG so he's just kind of around now McTavish I'm not totally sure McTavish's level of involvement to be honest with you I well, I don't I can go long periods without seeing him but he but he is still involved we'll I mean we'll see if that continues beyond this year well yeah and I heard that he was the one that phoned the players to the trades now whether that's true or not I don't know uh well, who said Cracknell was it Cracknell that said that in the interview with me and yeah. Rob I think yeah that McTavish yeah. phoned so, you know, the whole point is, I'd love to blame the players, but it's really hard to blame the players when they don't know from one year to the next who their coach is going to be. And when they learn a system and all of a sudden the same person is not back here, we start a new system. So, I mean, the joke of the league has got to be on, on, on the ownership and, and management of this team up until the current uh, new uh, GM and, and coach. So, yeah, it's really sad, you know, if we look at the history of the Emerson Oilers and what we've done, and, and where we are today. You know what? You make a lot of good points, Jim. I, I just want to bring something up, too, about the Kruger season. That was the last year they had goaltending where the goalie was above the league average in save percentage because I think Dubnik right. was just above. Now, Talbot's going to be above, though, well, by the end of the year he might not be, but his recent four months are well above, obviously. So that shows you what a difference that can oh. make, too. Yeah, unless we're willing to overpay these guys, and I don't know if that's the case, but unless they're willing to overpay somebody, that's about the only way you're going to get somebody here until uh, we clean our act up. In terms of a free agent? Yep. 
Yeah, well, you always overpay for free agents. I don't know what they're going to get for free agency this summer, but I, like I said before, Shirelli's in charge now with the player personnel. Kellen, I think we got another call coming in there. Uh, Shirelli's in charge with the player personnel. So I'm like, there are some moves, Jim, to me that are obviously going to be made. Like they're going to acquire a better defenseman for probably give up a forward. But I'm curious to see some of the moves that aren't so obvious. And you know what? Now that a lot, I was saying this to Brendan earlier today. Now that a lot of teams are rolling through, we're playing a lot of teams late in the season, and guys' stats aren't going to change that much, right? Like, guys are going to get two two to four more goals the rest of the way, say, most guys. There's a lot of guys in this league that have scored 20 goals that you wouldn't consider a quote-unquote sniper or a goal scorer, right? So can you get guys like that that are just reliable, hardworking players that can get the puck to the net and, and put it in when it's close by? but can also defend well? Because I think there are still too many guys that you don't notice if they're not on the score sheet. And, and that's and what I, I want. Like you, you and I talked last time. I would trade. I don't care what trade we get, whether it's first, second, or third. We don't need another first-round one, another first-round trade. I would trade that trade and whatever we get for one of the best three players we have, and, and other than uh, number 97, whether it be Hall or, or Everly or whoever. I mean, we've got to move one of these guys. What's the best? A deal we could get and move one of these guys and, and move forward because right now these three as much as I love to keep them all it, they're just not working Jim thanks a lot for calling thank you Jordan is up next on the phone line after the 630 news inside sports on Chad hi this is Taylor Hall from your Edmonton Oilers you're listening to inside sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers radio 630 Chad We're going to get to Jordan in a minute or two here. I got to say, I, I I love what the WHL does with the one-game tiebreaker if two teams are tied for the final playoff spot. I'd like it if the NHL did that. Can you imagine the hype around a one-game playoff to make the playoffs? Especially if it was between two rivalry teams. Like, Could you imagine like a Islanders-Rangers play-in one-game winner-take-all thing? Yeah, well, I think it'd be cool regardless. I mean, look, why is the NCAA tournament popular? Why do people, especially in Canada, watch that tournament who couldn't tell you one player on a single team, right? Because it's all one-game playoffs, and they do it for three weekends in a row. 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630-630. Just a couple of texts here. Rick says, I've said it before. You just said it again. The bottom line is, so long as players won't come to Canada, we will remain a farm team nation. Well, this is, I mean... In my life, it's the worst year ever for Canadian teams. The, the, nobody's going to get in. They're all in the bottom 10. I think, what, Ottawa's 21st, I believe? You got, I mean, look, Edmont, like, Edmonton's having a bad year. They're ahead of two Canadian teams. May not, I mean, it may not stay that way, especially with Winnipeg, but, I mean, I, again, it, it, like, it, is the best Canadian, are there really bragging rights if the best Canadian team winds up 22nd, that you're the best Canadian team? I, I don't think so. Uh, Warren says, it makes me wonder what was the vision of the type of team the previous management was trying to build. Shirelli is trying to make it right by bringing in some size and character, but what were the other guys trying to build? Their vision of how to build a contending team was so far off. That's on Kevin Lowe. It was a gong show under his watch. And uh, Mike in St. John says, hey, Reed, how are you doing? 
I agree totally. What do the Oilers have to be afraid of? Finishing last. I don't think there's anything wrong with considering moving a Hall and Eberle if it changes the dynamic of the team and makes it a playoff contender. When we suggest these changes were labeled Hall or Eberle haters, uh, we're not. We're just tired of losing. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, look, and you've heard me go off on the Taylor Hall criticism, criticizers at times. And look, if he gets traded and other guys come in and they improve the overall um, dynamic of the team, as Mike calls it, I'm fine. I just feel that sometimes the, the criticizers of Taylor Hall get a little overboard. Like, they make him sound like a bad or incompetent player, which he isn't. He's still a very good player. I, I just don't know if, if, he's, if his future is going to be here, given that everything's happened over his six-year career. I just don't know. Jordan is on the line. Jordan, thanks for calling. Hey, boys. How you doing today? Yeah, good. Good, good. Hey, you know, I just wanted to touch base a little bit on, uh, like, obviously it's been a rough 10 years, um, and the fans are fed up. It's, it was an absolute organizational failure to get here, of course. But you know what? That organizational failure led to Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and now the right people are in place. Like, I don't think if there's anybody out there that still thinks we have incompetent management, they're wrong. It, it's that simple. Well, uh, with Bob. Sorry, I'll let you finish, and then I'll say something, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, you know what? Like, it sucks. We're here. We're 10 years out of the playoffs. Um, I've been there for all of them. You know what I mean? I go to, I am not a season ticket holder, but I spend significant amount of money every year to go. Um, I've never, I just don't see how we're going to get out of this without the management structure that's in place. Like, everybody wants to bury everybody. Everybody wants to bury Taylor Hall. Label him a bad teammate. He's not a captain. He's not captain material. But you know what? The people that are in place now are going to get us out of this, and Connor McDavid is going to be a big part of that. And we just got to have faith that Shirelli and uh, and Mc- Todd McClellan are going to pull us out of this. And, and I don't know. I think they will. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Well, I mean, look, first of all, Jordan, what's the point of being a sports fan if you're not going to have hope? I mean, it's the one area of our lives where – you can have blind faith or, or faith and you're not hurting anybody, right? So you might as well. But I, I think you're, you, I mean, you make a good point. I mean, I, I, I try not to too much on this show look back. I mean, I did obviously off the top because it is significant that it's 10 years, but you can't change the past. Now, Shirelli may still get rid of some people who are responsible or partly responsible for the past, but he's not, Peter Shirelli is not sitting around wondering what went wrong. He's wondering what he's going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next month to to change it. And we've already seen some indications of what that is going to be, like Patrick Maroon, like finding a real goaltender, at least a guy who I think is a real goaltender. McDavid was a gift. I mean, Shirelli's not going to sit there and say he did something brilliant for that. But this And this is going to be, I, I think this could be a huge storyline summer for the Oilers because in past years we've seen the coach change or we've seen the manager change. Now we may see some players change who maybe two or three years ago we would have thought were unchangeable. And now they very well be changed out. And the one thing that I wanted to add on to that too is hearing some callers talk about how we're a farm team and nobody wants to come to Edmonton. Well... Those days are over. We have Connor McDavid now. And players in the NHL know exactly the type of effect that playing with a player like Connor McDavid has on a guy's career, on, on his ability to get a contract. And, and I know Rob can attest to that too. 
But those days are over. And I know people in Edmonton, they're, it's like they're gun-shy. They don't want to believe it because it's been so bad for so long. But the McDavid effect is going to start to take effect this summer, and you're going to see it. Anyway, thanks a lot for taking my call, guys. I appreciate it. Jordan, good to hear from you. 780-496-0063. Greaser says next season, no major injuries, one major trade one major D-man and one high draft pick winger to snipe for McDavid, and this team is off to the races. Well, that's still a lot that has to go right. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, you got to have hope. Another texter says, Travis Hamannick is possibly the best D we can get to come here. Shirelli best soon wise up and trade the first-round pick for him. All right. Uh, Rob says... Oh, somebody texted in and said, who won yesterday? Well, uh, uh, Colorado beat Edmonton, 3-2. This texter, Rob, says, Hi, Reed. why can't the Oilers sign some player to two-way deals like Party and Clendenning? Even character guys is a bonus to have around when needed. That is from Rob. Yeah, I don't know know if Clendenning is going to be around. Well, maybe he will on a two-way deal. I, I think they'll keep one of Party or Griba, and, and I would I would think that Shirelli would lean towards Griba since he went out and got him uh, last year at the draft, right, as part of the Marincin maneuvering. So I guess a Wanak and a pick were actually the guys that went to Ottawa, but, but you know, it was, one of the picks came over from the Marincin to the Leafs trade. I, I would I would think Griba will stick around. Maybe Party gets signed too as, as a depth guy. Um, but when Party has played, he's played fine. I mean, he's he's not a high-ability guy, but you have seen uh, Shirelli bring in guys with some size and or with a reliable work ethic. And I think at least Party falls into that category. And I've used that word a lot this season, and that is reliable. And the Oilers haven't been a reliable team. Or they, or they, they just don't have the types of players who can excel in any type of game. And one thing we see over and over again, when the other team defends the scoring area well, the Oilers lose, right? The Oilers do not have players that can barge into that area or who can physically impose themselves into that area. When I say no players, I mean they don't have enough. They have some, and they have more than they did at the beginning of the year. With with Cassian, when he's playing well, because I think Cassian's been pretty inconsistent, and I think certainly Maroon has that attitude. It is 6.42. You're listening to 6.30 Ted Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, 6.47. Going to get to some Oilers comments here right away. Quick update on the scoreboard. Still 1-0 Toronto leading Calgary. They are eight minutes into the second period. Philly and the Islanders tied 1-1. They're in the second period. Kings and Predators no score late in the first. And after two periods, the Rangers lead Florida. Two zip. Uh, Busy time. Busy time. Boy, we've always been playing every second day here. Getting ready for the big game on uh, April 6th. Final game at Rexall Place. You know one thing I wanted to do this spring, non-work related, Kellen Kennedy? Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to do yet. I'm hoping to still do it. Mm. I wanted to see that uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane movie. Oh, okay. I hope I still get uh, get a chance to see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You can text your review to 630-630 if you have seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a text here from Bobby who says, 
Often I hear about injuries and poor scheduling, but please tell me which team in the league plays fewer games or is immune to injuries. It's the fact that this team has no depth on either end. Everyone talks about how talented this team is. Well, I would argue over the last 10 years, there have been at least 18 rosters with more talent. Can't wait to see what happens this summer because accountability needs to be brought to this organization and actions speak louder than words. That is from Bobby. And I think that's a very well-phrased text, Bobby. Thanks for sending that in. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he means me or not. I Look, the injuries happen. Every team gets injuries. Have the Oilers had a lot? Yes, they have. Have they had injuries to key players? Yes, they have. I mean, I, I think, in my mind, it would be foolish to say the Oilers wouldn't have more points had McDavid been healthy the whole year. I also think it would be equally foolish to say that they would be in the playoffs if McDavid would healthy, were healthy, and that's what it's all about. Are they are they uh, higher in the standings with, with guys healthy? Well, of course they are. But you're right. There's a point where you have to just suck it up and, and overcome it and, and be good enough to you know maybe not be at the same level you would be if healthy, but not totally drop off the map because of some injuries. So, yeah, I mean, they're like I mean, look, if 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 the Oilers were to wind up missing the playoffs, you know, in a hypothetical world by three or four points, and they hadn't had McDavid for ha- half the year. Well, you'd have a pretty good argument they would have had three more wins with McDavid and made the playoff. But I mean, so so what if they if they if if you want to use three as the number, more wins with McDavid healthy the whole season? Okay, so you're going to miss the playoffs by potentially 15 points instead of 21, assuming it winds up being 21. So yeah, the injury the injury factor only gets you so far. Now injuries are a factor. I mean, we can't we can't deny that. Uh, the scheduling. Uh, the scheduling is every team has tough parts of the schedule. I, the only thing I can say about the Oilers' schedule, and I said this, I think when it came out, is that it was bizarre. They play a game on March 28th, and then the season ends April 9th, and they only play three games after that. So to me, that's weird. It's so spaced out at the end. Um, but again, if you're good and you're consistent, you overcome it. And I mean, the, like, I hate the whole back-to-back thing. Oh, well, they're getting a team on back-to-back. Oh, well, they're back-to-back. I mean, just win just win the damn game. Just, like, be good enough to win the game. I mean, I, and I know if you look at the stats, teams do worse on the second night of back-to-backs, sure. But it doesn't mean you lose almost every single one. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be some nights where you're going to say, even for the good teams, okay, we were a little tired. Okay, the travel or the schedule got to us. But it shouldn't wipe out large patches of your schedule. So, Bobby, I generally agree, agree with you. I mean, I think injuries and scheduling do have an effect on team performance. But I think it's to fall back solely on that, I think, is pretty short-sighted because there are a lot of other areas uh, about this team that need improving. Uh, Todd McClellan, I, I did ask him about the schedule today, though, just in terms of how it's going to affect practicing and planning the rest of the season once they get into that stretch at the end of the season where they have many days off between games. This week will be tough for our team with, uh, you know, at the back end of, I think, 19 games in, in so many days. Uh, uh, it's as tough a segment as I've gone through as a coach in the, in the National League, and, and uh, we've got to manage our time and energy, thus the only 10 or 12 minutes of power play time today in practice and once we get uh, through that game against Anaheim we'll give the players some some rest time 
and then we'll come back and approach the last I think it's 12 days of, of uh, the season uh, in, in training camp mode, basically, making sure that we touch upon all areas of our game, maybe preparing more, um, preparing our team more, and just working on our game less about the opponent at that time, and uh, try and polish everything up so that uh, everybody understands everything heading into the summer. All right, so that's interesting. Kind of got to do, it's almost like they're doing a recap for the final exam, except there is no exam in the form of playoff games. That's head coach Todd McClellan, who also, of course, touched on the power play today. We had some real good scoring opportunities yesterday, and then we just had some real, really um, poor puck decisions and poor passing. And uh, that's a little bit surprising for me when you can put those that type of talent on the ice. They seem to be forcing things. So uh, we'll clean it up and we'll get better. One can destroy five. And, uh, you know, when you're on a power play, if one's making the bad decisions or one is making uh, um, poor reads, it affects everybody else and it affects the mindset of the power play. And now last night it was one at a time. It wasn't just one individual. It was they were taking turns making poor reads. So, uh, But uh, continuing to try and work it to get them to understand why certain things happen on the power play is important. And we'll continue to do that. All right, so that's Todd McClellan on the power play. You know, he said they were forcing things. He said one can destroy five. It's an interesting way to put it. I, I mean, they, they certainly at times look like they're they're not a very cohesive unit on the power play. Uh, even when the Oilers have, have played well, their, their power play has been bad, right? And they've looked more dangerous to score five on five than they have on their power play, with, with the exception being the St. Louis game. Rob and I talked about it on the show last night. We both said that they, they tend to slow things down on the power play too much to the point where you're not taking advantage of having an extra player on the ice. You're letting the opposition penalty kill and goaltender get set, get in position, deny what you want to do. And you look at that Colorado goal, the Blake Como goal. I mean, they were firing the puck around. Como was moving, comes into the slot. You know, great, great pass, great tip. But you wonder if the Oilers, I mean, like, no disrespect to Blake Como, he's not the most talented player on the Avalanche, and he wouldn't be the most talented player on the Oilers. So if he can score goals like that, why, why can't the Oilers do it a little bit more often? Here's what Taylor Hall had to say about the power play today. Yeah, it wasn't our best night on the power play. Um, you know, it's hard to, you know, it's, it's easy to forget sometimes that the best power plays in the league go off disappointed four to five times. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just relaxing out there and letting your skill shine. Um, you know, moving pucks around, letting, letting everyone um, get in on it and uh, getting pucks to the net. So I think we need to relax a little bit and uh, just keep it simple. You, you had a really good example within the last week of when it's going well, how it feels and looks, and then a night like last night. What's the, the difference in the two nights? Just execution. Um, you know, maybe guys hanging on to pucks a little bit too long, just a little bit of indecision. Um, like I said, I think that stuff comes from just being a little tight. Uh, like I said, if we can just kind of, you know, we have so much skill on the power play. We have guys that have been there for a long time, that have played those spots for a long time. Um, just calm down, uh, raise our battle level a little bit, and uh, like I said, that'll let our, let our skill shine. All right, that is uh, Taylor Hall talking uh, on the power play. Is it just me, or is, is he not totally on the same page as McClellan? It just seems like there might be a bit of a different 
assessment. Not completely different, but a bit of a different assessment about the power play failings. Anyway, you can text 630-630. Yakushev says, uh, Reed, I recall when the Oilers were winning cups, there was a lot of credit given to scouting. What do their scouts do these days? It would be nice if they could find a surprise player as the scouts in the winning years did, or did management stop listening to them too? That is from Yakushev. And another texter says, 10 Cloverfield Lane is an excellent film, well-directed with excellent acting. Movie keeps you guessing and builds suspense well. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for that unnamed texture. Much appreciated. All right. We're going to shift focus to the other oil, the Oil Kings. Tense night for them coming up tomorrow. One-game playoff against Medicine Hat. We will have current Oil King Brett Pollock and past Oil King Brett Brightproos on the show. He went through a one-game playoff back in 2009. Inside Sports on Chet.